Hey everyone, I am so glad you joined us today because this is really an unusual but special podcast. We have begun at Trinity Church in Cedar Hill a new movement, and I don't say that very lightly. I know people are throwing that word movement out, but we are embracing, we are embracing the idea that God is ready to begin a new era church. And we are all about that. And part of the new era church is that we would be apostolic. And by that word apostolic, we believe that we are sent ones. Apostolic is the sentness to the region of believers and that we are sent of God. You know, God sent his son, Jesus, who sent the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit is sending us. And so um, how as a local church and a specific community do we bring transformation and reformation? We are really excited to collaborate and join hands with Dub Alexander, who has a teaching on kingdom reformation. And he believes that every believer carries the king's authority, that actually the father, father God is king of kings. And if he's the king of kings, then we are the kings and we represent him in the earth. We represent the heart of the father. We bring the solutions. We bring the solutions to the problems of our cities, of our territory. And that is our dominion, that every king has a dominion. So for me, Cedar Hill, DeSoto, Duncanville, Lancaster, the best Southwest of Dallas is my dominion. And so therefore, whatever problems are in my dominion, that uh, the Father God, the Holy Spirit has solutions to those. And I am the one who gets to represent him in my territory, in my dominion. And it's life-changing, you guys. (laughs) This teaching is life-changing. So that's what this teaching is all about. Last night... We began our class, 10-week class, called Reformers 101. There was so much excitement. 230 people crammed into a room to hear this teaching on Kingdom Reformation. And uh, we are all so ready to be activated into the kingdom and making the kingdom of this earth, the kingdom of our God. And to set up the class, Dub met with everyone who was interested this past Sunday night, and we had what we called the gathering, Reformers 101, the gathering. And so this podcast is actually him teaching and sharing with us the principles of the kingdom that we would be learning uh, from this class. You're going to love it. You're going to learn so much. And I'm excited to have conversation with you after you hear this. So just enjoy, enjoy this teaching and um, let the Holy Spirit just transform the, and renew your mind as we wrap our hearts around the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that you joined us today. Dub and I met back in 2019 at literally a Reformers Roundtable. Um, it was a brand new thing. I didn't know what a reformer was, but a friend of ours, uh, a friend, Elizabeth uh, Timefook, decided that she was going to get a bunch of reformers, anybody who she thought was a reformer, and have us meet with uh, Bishop Hammond. And uh, so we got to spend the day there. I got to meet Dub and, and about 20 other young men and women who were changing the world. And that's kind of how we connected. And then over the time, I was just kept talking to him about you know, coming and helping us at Cedar Hill to what he does is so amazing. He finds the blessing, the calling, you know, it calls out the identity of cities, of governments. And, um, that never happened 
with COVID and all that stuff going on. But then just recently we reconnected and I'm like, I, I, I have this missing piece. You know, I know that I'm supposed to start reformers. I know that put God's put that on my heart, but I don't know what to do next. And he just happened for four years now to be teaching on kingdom reformers. And so he, he lives in Amarillo, but he is offered to come down here and spend time with us and to teach the class. Oh, would you give it up for Dub Alexander, please? Come on. Thank you guys so much. I'm so excited about what it is that we are having the opportunity to prototype here. Um, I do have a online school called School of Kingdom, uh, with which I've been raising up and, and equipping and deploying prophetic kingdom reformers for the last uh, four years now. Uh, we currently have 350 students uh, in three schools, one here in the States online, and then as well as uh, two online options, one in South Africa and one in Australia. And we've just seen so many amazing stories of, of people just getting unlocked in their identity, their purpose, and beginning to engage culture in a way that brings transformation. Uh, but it's been on my heart to see how can we take what I'm able to do in an online school and put it into a model that works within the local church. Because how many of you know that the purpose of the local church is for the equipping of the saints, for the administration of the kingdom out in the world, right? You see, uh, kind of my, my specialty is in government, and I, I operate as a covert prophet in the United Nations, and I get the strategies of heaven, present them in the styles of the king who's in front of me, all for the sake of the people. And uh, that's a whole nother story. But uh, in that, I became very much aware that when we talk about equipping the saints, when it talks about in Ephesians that Christ gave gifts to the church in the form of what? The apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. And they were given as a gift to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, in our American mindset, oftentimes we will hear the word ministry and we immediately think a pastor or we think some type of service. But as I travel the world and I sit with heads of state in different nations, who do I find myself sitting with? I'm sitting with the minister of agriculture, the minister of finance, the minister of tourism. You see, ministry is actually a governmental word. A minister, you are a minister. You are one who administrates the authority of the government that you represent. And how many of you know that Jesus said that you are his ambassador? Scripture says that you are an ambassador of Christ. You are an ambassador of the King of Kings. That means that everywhere that you go, you are showing up with governmental authority in the kingdom. You know, Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. He came to bring a government. I'm going to say that again. Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. Jesus came to reestablish the governance of God on the earth. Jesus didn't come to put you in a pew. He came to put you in a throne. You might want to look back and inform your chair that it is a throne. Since you sat in it, and as Pastor Jim said this morning, Revelation 1, 6, that Jesus has past tense made you kings and priests. When you sat in this chair, it became a throne this evening. This is a council of kings seated here. And you are walking commissioned with the authority of Jesus to administrate the governance of the kingdom in every sphere of influence that you currently have access to. 
It's a big deal. Come on. Jesus said in the Great Commission, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. The commissioning was Jesus stating very clearly, listen, all authority belongs to me, which means the enemy has how much authority? Zip. None. Neither in heaven nor on earth. He has zero authority. You know, the enemy is not the opposite of God. If Lucifer was fully restored, he would be like Michael or Gabriel. He's just an archangel. In fact, scripture says that the cherub, the prince cherub, Lucifer, was the one who fell. So he's not the opposite of God. He carries a message that is opposite to God's message, but he's not the opposite of God. It's no contest. Come on. The enemy is simply an unemployed cherub seeking employment by your thoughts. Woo, man, did you know that before the cross, Jesus refers to him as the ruler of the world? And after the cross, he's referred to as the prince of the air. So what happened? (laughs) What happened was he lost his domain. He lost his dominion. The enemy has no territory. Everywhere that you show up, you are walking on territory that has already been won by King Jesus. And he has commissioned you with his authority. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit has filled you with Holy Spirit's power. And Jesus commissioned you with his authority. So when you show up, you walk in power and authority to administrate the kingdom in your home, in your family, at your kid's school at your place of business, wherever you find yourself, you should remind yourself when you walk into the room, the authority of the kingdom is present. The power of the kingdom is present. Holy Spirit is looking to move through me. Jesus is looking for me to move on his behalf for I am his ambassador. Come on, somebody. I work with a lot of ambassadors in the UN. How many of you know that if someone strikes an ambassador in another country, it's automatically qualified as an act of war? And the terminology that makes that so is that the terminology is that the ambassador embodies the country that they have been sent from. So for someone to strike an ambassador is the same as if they had launched an attack on the soil of the nation the ambassador has been sent from. How many of you know that heaven is a dimension within God? God is not in heaven. Scriptures say the heavens, plural, could not contain him. If God was in heaven, that would mean there was something larger than God in which he sat enclosed. But rather, heaven is a dimension within God in which he chooses to express himself in a specific way. And so if heaven is in God and Holy Spirit, who is God, has joyfully taken up residency within you, where's heaven? In you. Ah, so as his ambassador, you embody the country that you have been sent from. Woo, man, when you show up, the king shows up. When you show up, heaven shows up. When you show up, the mind of Christ shows up. Scripture says you have the mind of Christ. When you show up, it doesn't matter what issue is presented to you because you are one with the one who knows all the things and he likes to talk to you. Man, see, when Becky and I get all hyped up about we're going to change the world, Like, we really believe that. Because listen, if all it takes to change the world is for the sons and daughters of God to remember who they are. Remember who you are. Right? (laughs) Lion King. That was just for me. It's fine. Listen, (laughs) 
if all it takes for the world to change is for us to remember who we are and to remember who resides within us and who has commissioned us with authority, ooh, man, it should not be hard for you to be the MVP in every room that you walk into because you are one with the one who knows all the things and he likes to talk to you. Come on. So solutions and strategies are available. They're ready. We just have to remember who we are and remember that he has sent us the great commission. We have been commissioned to go and to teach and to train nations how to do things God's way. And so Reformers 101 for 10 Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., April 6th through June 8th. This is what we're going to be digging into. These are the topics. Next slide, please. These are the topics. The first two weeks will be about awareness. The second two weeks will be about alignment. And then after that, it will be all about activation. Because how many of you know it's fun to talk about stuff, but it's better to do the stuff, right? And I'm so excited because the church as a whole has shifted into an apostolic era. A simple working definition for an apostle is one who builds a structure and stewards the culture within it. One who builds a structure and stewards the culture within it. Jesus pulled the word apostle from the Roman government, the government that was oppressing the Jewish people. You would have thought Jesus would turn to the 12 and say, and you will be my rabbis, or you will be my priests, or you will be my prophets, but he didn't. He said, you will be my apostles, which was probably super offensive to them. Hey, you know this government that you hate so much that's dominating our people? I'm gonna use a word that they use for you. But Jesus came at the fullness of time because by the time you get through Alexander the Great and the, and the Greek Empire and into the Roman Empire, they had perfected apostleship. And so the Caesar would go into the territory and he would conquer the new territory. And instead of burning everything down and killing all the men and taking the women and children back as slaves, they would leave the structure standing And they would leave the citizenry there and the Caesar would return home and he would send the royal governor, Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, the royal governor would come in with apostles. You are an apostolic people. And the apostles, they would rebuild, they would reform structures and the way things operated and looked and they would produce the culture of the homeland in the new territory. And when the new territory looked like home, the Caesar would come to visit. So Jesus came at the fullness of time because how many of you know we needed a model that we could understand? So Jesus came and he conquered all the things. You know, he won all the victory. When you hear people talking about spiritual warfare, I'm like, listen, we show up to just enforce the already victory of King Jesus. He left us an inheritance and an assignment. He didn't leave us a war. If Jesus didn't conquer the enemy on the cross, which is what scripture says, then on the cross, he would have said, it has begun. And then we would be in big trouble. (laughs) No, no, no. He said, it is finished. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and do what? Be an apostolic people. Be a people who build things and steward, show off the culture of heaven within them so that the people who don't know God yet, the pre-kingdom people can get a taste of the goodness of God. 
because it's the goodness of God that leads them to repentance, the changing of their mindset. And so we are an apostolic people. We are meant to go out and to reform. And so the topics are what? The king and his kingdom. The king, you can't have a kingdom without a king. That's why you'll never hear me say the phrase kingdom of darkness because they don't have a king. The ruler of the world became the prince of the air. You see, the funny thing about princes is they have to wait to get authority from a king. That's why he went from the ruler of the world. Now he's just the prince of the air, the unemployed cherub who comes seeking employment in your thoughts. Will you lend me your authority? Because Revelation 1, 6 says that you are the kings of the earth. So the prince comes to chatter in your ear. Will you give me your authority? Because I don't have any. Will you lend me your authority? Come on, somebody. Man, we got to reframe some things. Did you know even the verse that says the weapons of our warfare? In the Greek, that's the hoplon of our stratia. I knew y'all knew that, but... uh, (laughs) Did you know the primary definition of hoplon is not a weapon at all, but rather a tool for the implementation of a new thing? A tool for building something. And stratia, the primary definition is actually an expedition. What? Did you know an expedition is a, a journey of discovery into a new territory in order to establish a thing? So what if we reframed spiritual warfare in our minds into apostolic expeditions? What if instead of worrying about an attack from a defeated enemy, we realize, oh, I need to equip myself with tools so that I can step out into culture and I can establish God's way of doing things. Because guess what? Is it better to yell at the darkness or turn on the light? Woo, man. <laughs> Look, either Jesus won or he didn't. I think Jesus thinks he accomplished some things on the cross. Man, you know, I've never walked into a room and put my hand on the light switch and been like, oh man, I wonder what's going to win today. I better get prayed up because the light and the darkness are about to battle. No, I'm like, I'm about to flip on the light. And I don't expect any screaming when I do. (laughs) I don't expect to hear a scuffle, if you will, okay? I'm expecting to flip on the light and for the darkness to go. So what happens when we equip ourselves with apostolic tools, the ability to build and to steward culture and go out and turn on the light? Look, it's only dark in places in the world because we haven't shown up yet. And we're the light of the world. Come on, man. So the king and his kingdom. And then we're going to talk about your identity and your purpose and your destiny. And then for the last Several weeks, we're going to be actively participating in Reformation, the act of Reformation. I want to hit you guys with some definitions here real quick. Uh, This is my working definition of the kingdom, that the kingdom is the extension of both the heart and the authority of God from heaven on earth through you. The kingdom is what? The extension of both the heart of God and his authority from heaven on earth through you. That, my friends, is the kingdom. Now, what manifests when the kingdom is present is righteousness, peace, joy, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But that's the evidence of the kingdom having shown up and been established in a place. You see, we hear about the kingdom in Genesis 1.26, the original intent of mankind. Let us create mankind in our likeness and image and let them have dominion. 
You were made for dominion. Did you know you weren't made for heaven? (laughs) Heresy, heresy. It's fine. Stick with me. I'm going to (laughs) explain. If man had not fallen, how long would man have lived? Forever. Where would he have lived? On earth. Did you know you get kicked out of heaven in the end anyway? Revelation 21, 22, I, John, turned and saw what? A new heaven and a new earth. And I saw a holy city descending down out of heaven and the voice of God saying, now I will be with my people. I will dwell with them and they will be my people and I will be their God. Listen, it all goes back to the original with an upgrade. Come on, you weren't made for heaven. If you were made for heaven, your name would be Angel, but it's not, it's Frank or whatever it is. Unless your name is Angel, my bad. (laughs) You are still made for here. I mean, I'm not against going to heaven. Like if, if I die before Jesus comes back and, and the new heaven and the new earth are established, like I'm gonna check out dad's house. It sounds cool. He's got weird animals, eyes within and without, right? I'm, I wanna check it out, right? <laughs> but I know that's not my destiny. It says, I, John, turned and saw a new heaven and a new earth and a holy city coming down out of heaven. And God's saying, and I will dwell with my people, not they will dwell with me. I will dwell with my people. You are made for here and you will end up back on a new upgraded earth to rule and to reign forever. You see, when I got uh, born again, I was an 11 year old boy and uh, my parents were atheists at the time. A friend comes up to me and and praise the Lord. He shares the bad news with me because Jesus said, go into all the world and share the bad news, right? Little joke, it's fine. All right, so he opens the conversation like this. Hey man, you ever heard about hell? I was like, no. He tells me about hell. I'm like, man, this is not good. Like, I'm only 11. I don't know a lot, but I know this is not good. He's like, but if you ask Jesus to be your savior, then when you die, you go to heaven. I was like, well, what's heaven? And he points up in the sky. He's like, well, it's up there. And you like sit on a cloud and sing to God all day. I said, all day? He said, all day. I said, for how long? He said, forever. I was like, forever? It's like, man, that doesn't sound a whole lot better in hell, but I I think it's a little better in hell. I guess I choose that. (laughs) You see, when you go around sharing the bad news, (laughs) it's a little different than the good news, which is, hey, did you know you have a good, kind, loving heavenly father who created you on purpose for purpose? There's an identity, a purpose and destiny he would like to talk to you about. He would like to meet you. Would you like to meet him? That sounds like some good news to me. I think we should probably bring a little reformation to evangelism. I'm just saying. Man, I have led more people to the Lord, I'm telling you, through that approach than the old school approach. Because it's supposed to be good news. You see, when you share the bad news, the first image people have is there's an angry, punishing God that wants to throw me in hell. But luckily, Jesus threw the block. No, daddy. Took the punishment from me. And now I'm just sharing my experience. This is my testimony, okay? So I get saved because I felt like plucking a harp on a cloud was a little better than like hell. (laughs) But now I'm cool with Jesus, but I'm trying to hide behind Jesus from father. Uh, You see, I'm born again. I exist, but I've got an orphan heart and an orphan mind because I wasn't introduced to the goodness of the father. Man. And so it is with most believers. That's why we got churches full of orphans because they made a choice because they felt like they had to. They weren't introduced into a relationship with the loving father. Hmm. 
But this extension of the heart and the authority of God from heaven on earth through you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This, my friends, is the kingdom. Next slide. Kingdom reformation is the practical process by which the systems of the world encounter the goodness of God in the form of strategies and solutions of heaven, and that transforms them into the realms of the kingdom. This is what we are asking you to sign up for, to engage in. How do we begin to learn to apprehend both the strategies and the solutions? to present them to the broken systems of the world so that they begin to shift and to align with the blueprints that are in heaven and they become the realms of the kingdom. For all the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdom of our God. <laughs> Let's go. Next one. Kingdom. What is a kingdom reformer? A kingdom reformer are sons and daughters of God who have developed their kingship to the point of being able to practically implement the strategies of heaven into the systems of the world effectively bringing kingdom transformation to culture. Dub, what, is, what are you even talking about? What does it mean to develop your kingship? Next slide, let's talk about this. This, my friends, is the natural kingdom maturation process that most of us go through. Like I said, I started off as an orphan because I thought dad was mad. Hashtag dad's not mad, guys. For God so loved the world that he gave the son. Most of us have been taught a gospel of salvation that sounds more like God was so mad about sin that he murdered his only son. No, no, no. God so loved the world that he gave the son, not as a child sacrifice, but as a bridegroom to gain a daughter that he wanted so bad. Come on. So hopefully, you know, we get around some people who know the nature of God and they tell us about it and we get introduced to the good father and we shift from orphans into sonship. And for the record, orphan son, king, father is obviously also orphan, daughter, queen, mother. But if I have to be the hairy-legged bride of Christ, you ladies can be sons, kings, and fathers for the sake of uh, ease today, okay? <laughs> I love that reaction. I'd be like, ah, it's fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> so listen, now once I step into sonship, now not only am I born again, but I know who my dad is. An orphan doesn't know who his dad is. An orphan has a dad but he doesn't know who he is. But a son knows his father, knows the nature of the father, knows how the father feels about him, knows how the father wants to move in his life, knows how the father wants to bless him, right? And sonship is amazing. And hear me very clearly here that being a son of God is more than enough for me for forever. I don't need anything else, but the world is dying for me to show up as a king. You see, before the incarnation, before God became both fully God and fully man in the person of Jesus Christ. He was the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now listen, it was more than enough for Jesus to be the word for forever, but we were dying for him to be a savior. Him becoming a savior was an act of service. And yet his title is not servant of servants. His title is king of kings. You see, kingship is a piece of your identity from which you serve. And the greater king will always outserve the other king. Man. So we must develop our kingship so that we can outserve everybody in the room. Because would you rather be served by a butler or a king? I'd rather be served by a king. Because if a butler shows up, the butler can only serve me with what I already have. But a king shows up and with all of his or her, what? Power, authority, influence, connections, wealth, wisdom, all of those things, and then chooses to leverage that on my behalf and that transforms my life. So you, my friends, must become the kings of the earth 
You must step into the fullness of the identity that Jesus purchased you back into so that you can show up and meet with the orphan kings and have the supernatural edge. How? Because you're one with the one who knows all the things and he likes to talk to you. It's not going to be that hard, I'm telling you. (laughs) And it shouldn't end there because we're made in the fullness of the image of of a triune God who also includes a father. And we should all be becoming kingdom mothers and fathers that have the ability to reach down and pull orphans into sonship, daughters into queenship, kings into fatherhood. So this is the progression that we're working on. But when it comes to reformation, this is specifically the promotion from sonship into kingship. As a son, you experience all the benefits of dad. You experience all the benefits of the kingdom, but in kingship, you become the benefits of dad to the world. You become the benefits of the kingdom to the world. We must mature into that so that we can outserve everybody in the room because we are the only ones with the heart of the father, the mind of Christ and the power of Holy Spirit. And the world is waiting for us to show up because this is where transformation comes from. There are thrones at the tables of culture where decisions are made and these thrones have your names on them and they are waiting for you to show up. God has put your face in the future and he's waiting for you to catch up with it. Where do we see this in scripture? Saul is going around killing Christians (laughs) willy-nilly. All right, that joke was just for me. It's cool. I'm refining my act. It's fine. (laughs) he's out there killing Christians, has an encounter with God, struck blind, laid up in a house on Straight Street. God shows up to a man named Ananias and says, Ananias, there's a man named Saul on Straight Street. And he says this interesting phrase about a man who's blind. He says, I've shown him your face. How did he show Saul who was blind a man's face? He showed it to him in the spirit. Oh, so God had taken Ananias' face and put it in the future in the spirit. And what happened when Ananias caught up to where God had put his face in the future? It unlocked identity and it unlocked sight. And blind Saul became seeing Paul. Listen, there are orphan kings at these tables where decisions are made that shape the culture that my child and and your children will be subject to. And they're waiting for you to show up because when you show up, their identity and their sight will be unlocked. And the kingdom will have arrived and we will see transformation. Listen, I'm telling y'all right now, if y'all need some hope, y'all can have some of mine because I have tapped into an unlimited supply. Listen, I work in some jacked up nations and I have hope for them. So when I'm I'm just being real with y'all, whenever I'm in the US and people start, oh my gosh, it's getting so dark. There's no hope. I'm like, Man, I'm glad you're not over in this nation because we've got it pretty easy over here. I'm just being real. But I'm here to tell you, I've got hope for that nation. So I dang sure got hope for our nation. Man, we have shifted into a new age, this new era of the apostolic showing back up, the ability to build structures and to steward culture within them. You see, in the last 40 years, as the, as the prophetic was reemerging and being reestablished, it's been awesome, and I love it. But how many of you know that if you have a prophetic culture without an apostolic culture, you will sit around and have the best conversations ever, and nothing will ever happen? Did you hear what God wants to do? It's amazing. Bro, did you see this piece about what God wants to do? But listen, it's the apostolic grace 
that pulls the culture from the unseen realm and manifests it into the seen realm. You see, an ambassador has bicultural intelligence. When you are assigned as an ambassador, you you have a, a, an awareness of the culture of your homeland. And before you go to the country that you have been assigned to, you must develop intelligence, cultural intelligence surrounding the culture you have been sent into. So what must we do? We must be aware of the culture of heaven and we must be aware of the culture of the earth in that same sphere. And we must take that blueprint and make this broken system shift to align with the blueprint and it will become a realm and where systems cause people to serve the systems, realms serve the people. And this is what we were made for. And now that we're catching this apostolic piece, as this apostolic piece is, is coming into the picture and as it's developing, it's emerging, it's being established, now we are going to have the wherewithal to take everything that we see in the spirit and to manifest it into the seen realm. So I'm telling you, this next 40 years are going to be the best 40 years in the world of all time, because the kingdom is going to advance on a whole nother level. So like I said, if you need some hope, you can take some of mine because I got plenty. All right, what's my definition of a king? Let's go to that slide. Kings are what? Mature sons and daughters of God walking in the royal authority of the kingdom all for the sake of the world. You, my friends, are kings and queens, and we want to make sure that you are equipped to carry yourself as such. The fivefold is God's gift to the body for the equipping of the saints, for the administration of the kingdom. You see, each and every one of you should be a prophetic, apostolic, evangelistic, pastoral, teaching, fully equipped saint showing up in your sphere of influence. What what does that even mean? We got to get practical about things, right? So the, the prophetic grace is about conception. It's about being able to perceive something that has not been seen before. The apostolic grace is about creation, manifesting it from the unseen realm into the seen realm. The pastoral grace is about cultivation, the ability to walk patiently and kindly with people as they become everything God has created them to be. The evangelistic grace is about captivation, people being drawn towards what what is this good news? What's different about your life? What's different about the school that you work at? What's different about the way you do business? And the teaching grace is about the replication of what you know to be true in the hearts of others. And so we see God manifesting the fivefold grace and gifts in scripture. It starts with a prophetic conversation. Let us make man in our likeness and image and let them have dominion. You, my friends, are quite literally a figment of God's imagination. He's conceiving you in his mind. That's what the prophetic looks like. And then what does he do? He begins to move apostolically and he scoops up some dirt and he builds a structure and he breathes a culture into that structure. Ah, and then father shows up to walk with the man and the woman in the garden, pastorally, patiently, kindly, walking with them as they are developing into everything he created them to be. One of my favorite stories is how it says that God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would call them. And that word call in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word kara, which means this, to read, to call out, to recite, and to proclaim, in which is hidden the original intent of parenting. 
Because your number one job as a parent should be to read the identity, purpose, and destiny on your child's life. Call it out of them. Recite it back to them until they know it. And then proclaim it so that the world knows how to receive your child correctly. So God is walking pastorally with the man and the woman. He's teaching them and training them. He's he's walking with them as they are learning and becoming. And then the fall occurs. But it's all good because Jesus comes as the greatest evangelist of all time. For I have come to proclaim the good news. If you're poor, you don't have to be poor anymore. If you're sick, you don't have to be sick anymore. If you're in captivity, you don't have to be held captive anymore. (laughs) And then after, after the resurrection, this is one of the most frustrating portions of scripture to me of all time. It says that he, he walked with his apostles for 40 days and taught them all the things pertaining to the kingdom. And not a single one of those ding-dongs wrote it down. I'm like, post-resurrection Jesus taught on the kingdom for 40 days and nobody wrote it down. Someone wrote numbers down. And they didn't write down what Jesus taught about the kingdom the 40 days after the resurrection? Man, I'm fine. It's fine. (laughs) But you see, the fivefold model is just a picture of the ways of God. And so God gives these gifts of the fivefold, and the primary purpose of them is to unlock that gift in you. So the old model of prophetic is the man of God has arrived. And as the man of God, all of you should recognize that I hear the Lord better than all of you. (laughs) But the better covenant model of the prophet is, I know that because I'm in the room, each one of you hears God better for yourself. Because God gave me to you as a gift to unlock the ability for you to hear Father for yourself. And that's my primary goal. So as you get around prophets and apostles and pastors and teachers and and evangelists, you've got to realize, man, this is all to unlock these gifts and graces in me so that I walk powerfully in all five to everyone and to everything. You see, I'm hanging out. I'm doing the the covert prophetic thing in the UN. And uh, God wants school of kingdom to become. And because I'm apparently not listening, God has to send Dano. McCollum, to tell me to start it, all right? So the idea comes prophetically. Dan was like, hey, man, I think it's really cool how you sit with the kings of the earth, but would you rather sit with a king of the earth once a week, or would you rather raise up thousands who sit with kings daily? I'm about impact. I'm like, look, Jesus already won. My goal is just to see the manifestation of the fullness of his victory as quickly as possible. So I'm like, man, let's raise up thousands to sit with kings daily. And so he's like, well, you should start a school and teach people how to do reformation. I'm like, all right, okay. So now the prophetic conception of a business has happened. Now what must I do? I must apprehend the apostolic grace and leverage it on my business. I have to build the structure of my business and steward the culture within my business. That makes sense? And so um, I have to learn how to do all the online things. And I'm technically challenged. Listen, I was the guy that when texting came out, I was like, that's stupid. Why would you ever text somebody when you just pick up the phone and call them? I was that guy. Don't be that guy, okay? But that was me. And now God's like, that's hilarious. Let's have him start an online business. 
an online school. So I have to go and learn all, I have to partner. I've got this prophetic intel, but I have to develop apostolic intelligence with it in order to manifest school of kingdom from the unseen realm into the seen realm. Is this making sense so far? All right, because listen, the graces and the gifts of the fivefold are for you to build you up and they are for other people that you encounter and they are for your assignment. They are for the sphere of influence that you have been created to be the light in. So now I launch School of Kingdom. Like it's about to go down and 12 people sign up because I'm very Jesus-like. One betrayed me. It's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. (laughs) Now, at the end of that year, I'm getting to prophesy covertly in the state houses of nations and get to see heaven's strategies manifested in nations in a way that will change the trajectory of people groups. So just being real, do you think that 12 students in an online school was fulfilling to me? No. So what must I do? I must implement the pastoral grace for myself and my business. I have to be patient and kind with myself as I am becoming the founder of this School of Kingdom, and I must be patient and kind with School of Kingdom as an entity as it is becoming what it must be. And now, this year, we have 350 students. And I'm like, man, this is, this is getting closer, right? Because if I can get several thousand, then we can change the world. Come on. So, the pastoral grace. And then, if I'm going to go to the next level, I have to apprehend the evangelistic grace and leverage it on behalf of my business. The evangelistic grace is about captivating others' attentions because of the good news that you are sharing. So, what is the good news about School of Kingdom, and how must I put it out there in a way that it captivates the attention of those around me? You see, the evangelistic grace is really the marketing grace of the kingdom. And then how many of you know that as I go from 350 students to thousands of students, at some point, I'm not going to be able to teach all the classes myself. So then I implement the teacher fivefold grace to replicate the DNA and the language of School of Kingdom in others who will be able to teach the classes that I can't teach. You see, the, the God is so genius. He gives us a fivefold model <clears throat> that will change your life and that can be implemented in a practical way into whatever you were made to build or reform. We've got to begin to perceive things in this way. All right. Kings, mature sons and daughters of God, walking in the royal authority of the kingdom, all for the sake of the world. Next slide. Kingship is the state of living from the revelation of kingdom authority, having intentionally developed skill sets for the purpose of outserving everybody else in the room. Intentionally developing skill sets. Man, there's so much to be learned from the orphan kings of the world. Man. You know, (laughs) I kind of came up in this religious sect that was like very, here's secular, here's sacred. And if it's secular, you stay away from that. Don't even think about it. Don't even spell it. Okay? You might get the sin cooties on you. Okay? How many of you know that religion isolates, the kingdom infiltrates? Ooh. Listen, because in the old covenant, the leper touches you and you become unclean, but you, my friends, are a part of a better covenant where you touch the leper and the leper becomes clean. So the sooner we quit being scared of the darkness and we realize we are the answer to the darkness, 
man, things are going to change a whole lot quicker. And so what we've done in the past is that we have removed ourselves from spheres of culture. And we've said it's going to get very dark there. And it did because we were the light and we removed ourselves. And then we judged the darkness and patted ourselves on the back. I knew it. I knew it was going to get dark over there. (laughs) Yeah, ding dong, because you're the light and you left. (laughs) So it's time for us to infiltrate culture again. Think of, and think of the infiltration not as a military takeover. Think of it as, as, as like a prescription infiltrating a body and purging it of the disease so that it can be healthy. Come on. Did you know the early patristic fathers would always speak about sin as the plague that the great physician came to heal humanity from? Man, you, my friends, are the walking, talking embodiment of the great physician And he is sending you into the world to cleanse the world of the plague, to bring it into health and healing. Come on, somebody. Man. So we've got to begin to move in these ways. We've got to intentionally develop mindsets and skill sets. We've got to see what is it about this orphan king? What what kingdom principle did they accidentally, or I don't know how that works, but what kingdom principle did they apprehend that I can learn from? You see, I, I grew up living, hi, loving hip hop. <clears throat> and uh, so like the halftime show, I was like, oh, snap, how did this happen? <laughs> the most amazing thing to me about the halftime show this year, the Super Bowl, was that you have Dr. Dre, who is an orphan king, who is much loved by God, who raised up these other five rappers 20-something years ago, so generously, and, and so well, with so much excellence, that now each of them have their own record label. And yet they all show up to partner with him. And did you see how each one of them honored him? So with the old religious mindset, first of all, I just wouldn't have watched it. <laughs> Secondarily, I dang sure couldn't have been able to see, hold on a second. What did he do so right that these five people that owe him nothing now, from a logistical standpoint, they're not on his label. He's not their boss. But they showed up, they performed with him, and they all went out of their way to honor him. He did something right. What can we learn from him? What did, what did, I know this is probably weird for some of y'all. It's all right. What did Dr. Dre do, kingdom style? Because how many of you know honor is an attribute of the kingdom? And he did something in the hip hop scene that pulled honor out of other orphan kings towards him. So what can we learn from that? I think sometimes we're walking around and we're saying, Lord, we need this key from heaven. And he's saying, I already dropped that key, but because none of my people were watching to catch it, this orphan king caught it and he's taking it to the next level. And if you'll just look over there and have a value, how many of you know that God didn't give the the dream to to a Hebrew, he gave the dream to Pharaoh. How many of you know that God didn't give the dream to Daniel? He gave the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. Why, and why did he have to do that? Because the Hebraic mindset of the time, if a Hebrew had gotten the dream, they would have thought that, oh, well, it's just about us. But, but that dream is not just about the Hebrew people. It was for the whole world. So he had to give it to someone who wasn't a Hebrew 
Because if, if Daniel had gotten the dream, he would have been like, oh man, here's all of these, these empires of the earth, but eventually they're all gonna fall and then we will rule and reign. Because like, oh, I'm gonna give it to a heathen king so that you'll understand, oh, eventually all of man's governments and empires are gonna fall and everyone will get to be ruled by the kingdom. So listen, I'm telling you, God has given some dreams. Some orphan kings have caught some keys and they've already begun to turn them and manifest kingdom type things, even though they don't know what they're doing. And some of the answers, we've got to be able to look into culture and say, what what are we to be the solution for? And what solution did an orphan king already find that we can learn from? Man. All right, my friends. Are we going to change the world? I believe so. How do you become a world changer? Well, first, you must have clarity and then added to that clarity to the point that you're able to articulate what it is that you know and believe. You must add to that clarity congruence. And when you begin to walk in in the fullness of that, you will find yourself in a state of convergence. Convergence for me is the fullness of my identity and my purpose working together. You see, I have a goal for my life that at some point I will live a life in which every day I only do things I was made for. I'm not saying they'll all be easy. I'm not saying that I will like all of them. I'm definitely not saying that they will all be for me, but I want every action of the day to be me putting my hand to something I was made for. I want to live a purposeful life. I don't want to live a life all about me. I want to live a life that's congruent with God's original idea of me. And I believe this is possible. I'm getting closer and closer every day. And I believe we've got keys for you guys in this class that will help shift you towards that state of convergence. Because if you have clarity on these four questions, origin, identity, purpose, and destiny, where did you come from? Who are you? What do you bring to the table? And what table is waiting for you to show up? Then you can change the world. And you can experience a purposeful life of convergence. There's nothing better. So we're going to go after that in this class. Again, next slide, please. The topics, we're going to gain awareness on the king and the kingdom. We're going to shift into alignment with our identity, purpose, and destiny. And then we're going to activate ourselves into reformation. Next slide, please. Here, my friends, are the breakdown for the 10 weeks. April 6th, the king and his kingdom. The next week, Kingdom Reformation, we're going to get clarity to the point that you have the ability to articulate what those things are. Then we'll shift into alignment to the next two weeks. Who am I as a reformer and what do I bring as a reformer? And then the following six weeks, we will be activating reformation in our lives. We will be engaging in reformation. Listen, this class isn't for people that just want to know about reformation. This class is for people who want to become kingdom reformation to the world. So we'll be breaking down what is the kingdom reformer model? What does practical kingdom reformation look like? And listen, on that class, May 11th, listen, May 12th, you're going to wake up ready to implement reformation into whatever sphere of influence you are in. Listen, on May 18th, when you show up, you'll have a testimony of how you engaged in reformation. Because I'm not here to talk about it. I'm here to be about it. 
May 18th, we're going to be talking about how do you influence orphan kings? Because listen, right now, many of the positions of influence in the world are being held by kings with orphan hearts, pre-believers. I don't call them unbelievers. I call them pre-believers because I got hope for them. Because I'm like, man, if they get around me long enough, I'm going to rub off on them whether they like it or not. <laughs> Come on, because the kindness of God, the goodness of God leads men to repentance. So how do you learn to move around influential people that aren't believers? This is so important. Influencing orphan kings. Uh, May 25th, prophetic kingdom reformation. How do I begin to see not only, okay, here's identity, purpose, and destiny of a person. And, you know, we can learn how to pull that prophetically where you're able to prophesy over, over someone and, and ask the Lord, okay, what's their identity? What's their purpose? What's their destiny? And speak into that. But how do you do that reformationally? How do you pull the identity, purpose, and destiny of a business? How do you pull the identity, purpose, and destiny of a school? How do you pull the identity, purpose, and destiny of a nation prophetically so that we can begin to shift that? Uh, sustainable kingdom reformation. How is this going to continue to play out? And then June 8th, we'll be commissioning you guys as a reformer. It's going to be awesome. I'm so pumped about this because we're getting to prototype within what it looks like to be able to do this in a local church body as an ecclesia. And man, we, we want this to be able to be reproducible all around the world so that churches everywhere start churning out prophetic kingdom reformers. And every sphere of influence and every city gets engaged and becomes transformed. And we'll see the kingdoms of the world become the kingdom of our God. Come on, somebody. And you guys are getting, man, we're, we, we are getting to prototype something that is going to change the world. Listen, it wasn't too long ago when there weren't schools of supernatural ministry. But people began to prototype it and package it as a resource and make it available. And churches everywhere began to plug in the resource. And now there's schools of supernatural ministry everywhere. And things are beginning to change because people are learning how to walk in supernatural power, which is amazing. But listen, dominion is power plus authority. So we, we need, listen, please don't mishear me. I'm down with schools of supernatural ministry because that teaches you how to move in the power of God. But I'm going to teach you how to move in the authority of King Jesus. Power plus authority equals dominion. Listen, when we only have the power side, what happens? We end up with houses of power where people can come and experience a powerful touch from the Lord. But when we catch the authority side, that's when culture begins to shift. That's when we begin to see the dominion of God manifest in every sphere of culture around us. And I am super jacked about that. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, focus, Dub. Uh, let's see. So here are the topics that we're going to be going after. Uh, this is my last slide, and then you're going to have an opportunity to connect with the leaders, and uh, it's going to be good. All right, so these are the spheres that we currently have leaders available for. And I know that uh, for some of you, you're already super clear on what sphere you were made for. But if not, <clears throat> I wanted to perhaps give you some keys that would help you find clarity. And so uh, we've got so many amazing leaders ready to, uh, to walk with you in this process of becoming a prophetic kingdom reformer in the sphere of family. The original intent of family is all about love. Come on, somebody. 
Did you know the primary definition of the Greek word hamartia, which is sin, is to be without share in? Anybody use the Blue Letter Bible app? <laughs> no? <laughs> you should download it. It's amazing. I went to a Bible college, and I still, for no good reason, have all the big dusty volumes of my school books that were super expensive uh, in my office that I haven't cracked in I don't know how long because the Blue Letter Bible app does everything and more that all these books do. So you can download it and check it out. Pull up the word sin. It's the Greek word hamartia. And the number one definition of hamartia is to be without share in, meaning I don't have an inheritance that means I'm an orphan. You see, in the, in the story of the prodigal son, what was it about? It was about a son who had become an orphan through dishonor and disobedience coming back to the heart of a good, kind, loving, heavenly father. And that's Jesus' depiction of the gospel. The orphan son's coming home. He wants to pull you out of orphanhood and reinstate you in himself and sonship. The the original intent of the sphere of family is all about love. When you have healthy families, all of a sudden culture begins to experience safety, stability, and sustainability. Business, the original intent of business is wealth to generate wealth so that abundance is available in the form of generosity. So listen, how many of you know that, uh, to back up to family, sorry, that perfect love casts out all fear. So a good indicator that you might be called to the family mountain if you're unclear right now is if you hate what fear does to people. If you hate what fear does to people, ah, then you are one of God's answers of love and you might be called to the family mountain. Business is all about wealth, abundance, generosity. If you hate what poverty does to people, you might be called as a prophetic kingdom reformer to the realm of business. Government, I'll I'll be a little long-winded on this one because it's my jam, okay? Listen, the original intent of government is all protective in nature, to protect the sovereignty of a territory, to protect the rights of a citizenry, and to protect the rights of humanity, the opportunity of a citizenry and the rights of humanity. Now watch this. The two biggest issues, and let me just get something out on the table super clear right now. I am neither Republican nor Democrat. I'm kingdom, period. How many of you know there's no politics in heaven? Scripture says on earth as it is in heaven, there ain't no politics in heaven. There's government in heaven. There's no politics. Politics is the dirty game that's played on the field of government. So let's just get that clear, okay? So within government, it's the protection of the sovereignty of a territory, the protection of the opportunity of the citizenry, and the protection of the rights of humanity. That's why here in our nation, the two biggest issues are what? Immigration and healthcare. Why? Because those are held in the tension between two truths. In immigration, how do you protect the sovereignty of a territory and the rights of humanity? The only way to do that is to capture a strategy from heaven. That's why it's going to take prophetic kingdom reformers to show up in government to apprehend that strategy prophetically and to implement it apostolically. Healthcare, how do you protect the opportunity of the citizenry, those people who have businesses in the medical field, how do you protect that and protect the rights of humanity, which is not to suffer and to die when there's a a, a fix to the, the problem they're experiencing? You see those tensions are held between two truths. And that's why what the world has developed in the form of politics currently has no good solutions to either of those two issues. And that's why it's a fight every four years. It's because it's going to take a strategy from heaven to fix that. 
And so I'm looking to find those who are called to become prophetic kingdom reformers in the sphere of government because we are the only ones who will be able to capture the strategy of heaven and implement it to fix those issues so that our nation can be in unity. <clears throat> All right, had to get that off my chest. So here's the deal. If, if you love, if you, if, if you hate what injustice does to people, then you might be called to government. All right. Uh, media. <laughs> the original intent of media is to broadcast truth. That would be awesome. <laughs> and since I already clarified, I'm neither Republican or Democrat. I will say blatantly that neither side is telling the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help us God on either side. And that is so frustrating. How many of you would just like to know what the truth is so that you can make a decision based on reality, not agenda? Listen, media is about broadcasting truth because when you understand the truth, that dignifies the gift of free will that your father gave you. But when there are agendas at play in media, it robs you of the ability to operate in your free will, which is a gift. And you're just fed agenda. Man. So if you're passionate about truth, if you hate what lying agendas do to people, you might be called to media. <laughs> I love this. Education is all about uh, this stewardship of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Knowledge is knowing what is. Understanding is why that thing is. And wisdom is how do we take what is and make it become what it should be? And the original intent of education, in my opinion, at least, is to teach children how to think, not what to think. How do, how do we begin to teach children how to steward wisdom and knowledge and understanding? So if you hate what ignorance does to people, you might be called to education. Creatives. Come on, somebody. Creatives. You see, <clears throat> there's always confusion everywhere that I go between the sphere of media and the sphere of entertainment. Because people will often think media and they'll begin to think, well, mo is that movies? Is that music? Like, is it Facebook? What's happening here, right? Listen, the easy way to discern between media and arts and entertainment is media is about broadcasting truth. Entertainment, arts, the creative, is about suspending reality so that you can experience rest. Because when you experience rest, when you engage in recreation, it shifts you back into a creative state. Recreation. When you engage in recreation, when you get to suspend reality for a moment and enjoy the beauty of a piece of art or a play or a movie or listen to some music or go fishing or turkey hunting like Pastor Jim is right now, that shifts you back into a recreative state so that you can go back to your sphere of influence and engage it with the creativity of the one that you were made in the image of. It's beautiful. So if you hate what toil and stress and the mundane does to people, you might be called to be a prophetic kingdom reformer in the area of creativity. Technology is all about ease, acceleration, and excellence. Man, so if you hate what toil does to people, if you hate systems that slow things down, that bog things down. If you're about innovation, seeing those new things, things that people have never thought before, made manifest and implemented in a way that makes life better for everybody, you might be a prophetic kingdom reformer to technology. And then we have community development, <laughs> which is all about peace in ecosystems. 
what they're doing with, with purchasing homes, empty houses, and providing low-income housing and, and bringing in healthcare and bringing in grocery programs and all of those things. That's about harmony. It's about peace in ecosystems. It's about how the environment, the atmosphere, and the residents all interact together. And that one's super intriguing to me because it's like a little microcosm of everything. What happens when you engage in a specific community and you begin to take what many people would say is a lost cause and bring it back to life, resurrect it, and teach a people group how to steward the atmosphere and the environment that they're in in a way that it's all mutually beneficial? And so these, my friends, are the, uh, the different spheres that we have available for you to engage in. What do you guys think? Was that not the most amazing thing? I mean, literally this teaching can change the world and um, I'm excited to be a part of that. So I hope that uh, you enjoyed it. We already started the class, but if you're in the Dallas area, please join us every Wednesday night at seven o'clock at Trinity Church. And if you miss this teaching, we're going to bring it back again in the fall, but I hope you'll join us for Reformers 101. You can follow us on um, trinitychurch.org website and keep up with what's happening with Reformers. So go out and change the world.